This is The Top, where I interview entrepreneurs who are number one or number two in their industry in terms of revenue or customer base. You'll learn how much revenue they're making, what their marketing funnel looks like, and how many customers they have. I'm now at $20,000 per talk. Five and six million. He is hell-bent on global domination. We just broke our 100,000 unit soul mark. And I'm your host, Nathan Latka. I just finished traveling Southeast Asia for 41 days, and I usually always get sick when I travel, and quite frankly, eating is difficult for me. It's hard to find a restaurant, and I'm spoiled in Austin with my personal chef. Well, I took these little packets with me this time, 30 of them, in my carry-on suitcase. They kept me totally healthy with 11 different secret ingredients. You can see them at nathanlacka.com forward slash juice. I'll tell you more later on in the show. That's nathanlacka.com forward slash juice. This is episode 667, and coming up tomorrow morning, I ask the Bill.com CEO if they're going to beat into it at the small business financial technology game. Renee also reveals his revenue. It is a big number. Tune in and see if the number matches what you think Bill.com is doing. I bet it surprises you. Good morning, everybody. My guest this morning is Laurent Lemol, and he brings extensive knowledge of digital payments and emerging markets to pay you, where he serves as the CEO. He culminated an 11-year career at PayPal as general manager for continental Europe, Russia, Middle East, and Africa, leading a billion-dollar division across diverse geographies. Prior to PayPal, he founded an Italian startup called Talent Manager. He built a 40-person team there and led the startup's expansion into France and Spain. He also has experience at McKinsey and Antal International. He'll lead PayU's strategic direction and development uh, currently, building on the company's position in high-growth markets all around the world. Now, given the company's focus on being an expert in the local markets in which it operates, Lamo will lead the creation and implementation of new payment methods which best suit PayU's customers all around the world. Laurent, are you ready to take us to the top? Perfect. Thanks for this introduction. Yes, thanks. Thanks for coming on. So, give for those folks not familiar with PayU, tell us what it does and what your revenue model is. How do you generate uh, money? Um, very classic business, PayU. It's um, a payment gateway. So, basically, we are serving merchants all over the world, especially in high growth markets, as you said, which for us means truly India. Africa, Central Eastern Europe, Latin America. Um, basically, we enable merchants to sell online, to accept payments online. And two things uh, that are different about us. The first one is we do have regional platforms. I think you will see a lot of companies who talk about global payments. I believe actually that payments are extremely local and regional. That's one. The second thing is actually um, since I joined PayU, we started to move from pure payments to actually financial services, offering uh, credit solutions to our merchants, but also to consumers. So these are the, the two things that truly um, differentiate us in that uh, space. And uh, what if you had to kind of break down your current revenue between those two models, kind of the financial services just versus just the payment processing angle, which one is a bigger uh, market for you? currently oh it's still payments absolutely so okay. basically commissions on every transactions financial services in the form of consumer credit of merchant financing it's still very early on i think it's strategic to do that for any payments company because that's the way actually to really leverage your assets which are transactional data and the merchant network that you have all the rest you could really imagine that in a few years the payments itself the processing itself 
will be free. So you have to prepare now for that time. Yeah, I had a gentleman named Monish Anand on uh, recently in episode 617. He runs a company called Data Science. Have you heard of him by chance? Uh, no, they're, no, no, no. They're interesting. Uh, you, I mean, it sounds like you're interested in this market as well, but he, he saw what you saw. And so he's strictly financial services. And in India, he sees these credit, you know, these money sharks lo loaning money to yes. small merchants at a ridiculously high rate. He undercuts them and then has a payment solution behind it. It sounds like, is that accurate? Is, are you kind of thinking about the same thing? Absolutely. I think, um, the ability you know to offer credit is all about your ability to manage risk and yep. to do that you need to be able actually to leverage data um so if you go around the world the banks have done this you know but all using the same um credit scoring model and basically addressing the one percent of the population the the, the population that actually do not really need credit. Um, if you go now to India and you want to address really the 90% of the population, um, they do have the means to repay their debt. They do want, of course, you know, to buy stuff online. So consumption is very high, but they have what we call a very thin file. So you need really to have all the credit scoring and the ability to extract data from all of you know, the different sources. The biggest one actually being your mobile data. Um, mm -hmm. If you do that properly, then truly, you know, you have a technology company that does really credit scoring. Then the rest of credit is just mechanics. It's just the same model that you have with the banks and truly you can undercut them. Makes a lot of sense. Now, we're going to dive more into this, guys. But uh, Laurent, I want to go back to your beginning. So was talent manager, was that right out of college, like your first startup? Uh, is that Was that your beginning in kind of entrepreneurship or no? Yes, absolutely. Um, that was truly, you know, my 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 my, my first company. Um, and now I would say I try to help uh, younger people with their own companies, but that was my own effort. So the the classic, you know, um, story. I started alone, you know, in, in my kitchen in Milan. Um, <laughs> my my accent doesn't doesn't give it up, you know, but I'm, I'm French and Italian. So I was there in Milan, you know, and um, I basically decided to to start a, a job board, talent manager, basically, you know, just to create the matching mechanism between uh, supply and demand of young professionals in, in, in Southern Europe. So found found, you know, uh, um, a, a partner to really build the, the website. And when I see right now the entrepreneurs there, you can just set up, you know, your mobile application use, you know, Amazon, you know, web services. I mean, I remember the day I had to go to the shop and buy, you know, my first, you know, compact pizza rack. What year, what year was this, Laurent? That was a uh, 97, 97. And how old were you? Uh, I was 25. Actually. 25. That's 25 so, yeah, we have it easy these days. We click a button and boom, it's done. Um, yeah, that was cool because, you know, I, I had just an ISDN connection. Um, the thing is, it was really easy to get consumers because the few people who were online really would find you out. So, you know, the CPA, the click model, etc., not much existed. But anyway, um, the reality of that is we did the, the classic, you know, boom and bust of these years. So really raising money with um, how much? With some with VCs. At the time, it was the equivalent now of 5 million euro for our first round. Okay. The thing is, we never went past the first round because <laughs> at one point, you know, these 5 million euro were in that time, by the way, it was billions of lira at that time. It was pre-euro. Um, you know, we started to spend it in classic 
call marketing, advertising, and so on. So basically, the boom and then the bust. You have to, you know, fire the people you've hired, etc. So Which, and you grew up big, big, right? I mean, you, you grew to forty people and then had to kind of fire them all and slowly wind it down. Oh yeah, that was just in Italy. But then you know, we opened subsidiary in France, in Spain. We did a joint venture with Portugal Telecom. I mean, it was growing pretty fast. But you know, first lesson for me is. Um, the PNL of a company uh, does not change at all, new economy or not. Um, the second thing is cash is still essential if you can't raise. Uh, and this is what happened basically when we did our second round in, in the year 2000. Uh, people are still recovering from that. Uh, you couldn't raise money. So, you know, when I am today in India and I see companies with a very, very high burn rate. Um, What's a high burn rate? Well, high burn rate is um, we're talking, you know, a couple of hundred millions a year. A couple That's of hundred, a couple of hundred, like two hundred million a year. Absolutely, absolutely interesting. Um, <laughs> I mean, I would look at that number and go, "Well, that seems extremely high." I would say, if someone's listening right now and they only, if then they have less than you know six months of cash on the runway, uh, on the runway, your burn's too high. Yes, I think so, and I think um, the reality is. You know, then you have the entrepreneurs who is constantly fundraising instead of building the business. I think the the, the market is changing now in high growth markets, for sure. But it's still, you know, um, one of these very early days that I remember for sure in Europe that I can't find in some of these markets. So for me, the lessons are still there, right? What did you grow revenue to? Your best year during in talent manager? What was top line revenue? Oh, boys, I can't remember that one. Like Is above a million or below a million? It must have been a couple million. Okay, a couple million. So you didn't really, I mean, did you make anything off that outside the salary you paid yourself and it just went under? Well, actually, no, no. The, the website still, uh, is, still, uh, is still up because we, we sold um, actually the, the software. That's what we sold to a headhunting company in Italy, and it's still up and running. For how much? And, uh, you, how much do you sell it for? Uh, just to cover the cost, really, of the severance package. <laughs> uh, okay, got it. So no, that's not. True. I also paid for my MBA after that. <laughs> okay, got it. See? Which is really. <laughs> it's Tal like you know, paid vacation. That's yeah. It, right? <laughs> so talent manager, MBA, and then what is it? McKinsey and then PayPal. Yeah, McKinsey was at the very beginning. McKinsey is always the continuation of business school. You know, just so that you learn how to do a slide and stuff like this. Um, so, yeah, after that, really, um, the MBA for me was first the opportunity to be in London, meet a lot of people, work on different projects, actually. And one of these projects was um, at PayPal. Uh, PayPal literally, you know, in 2004, it was three people in a corner office in Richmond, um, south of London. And uh, they were looking for someone to do a market study about the potential for PayPal outside of eBay. And um, so they were looking, you know, for MBA student to do that. So I needed some money. I did that for six months and then they hired me. Um, so that's how it all started. Basically, You mean you mean a lot of the initial users at PayPal were, be, were specifically because of the eBay marketplace and, and they were trying to expand outside of that marketplace? Yes, absolutely. But I think this one is a lesson learned in payments. Payment is really, a, you know, a dual sided market, right? And um, the, one of the key, key elements of PayPal, which was not uh, by far, you know, the first wallet was truly um, the flywheel of eBay. And I think this is a big lesson, again, when you go to high growth markets like uh, India, 
for instance, you see that most of the investments for all the payment startups you see there is still in building this flywheel or building, you know, this engagement machine for consumers. Yep. I think PayPal, you know, was really, really lucky also to find, you know, that specific use case on eBay, but then grow it also outside of eBay. So you joined really, really early. Did you get equity in the company? Well, yeah, you, you got all the the, the different um, stock options, uh, stock options and RSU at the time, yes, uh, which was at the time for everyone. Uh, it was the typical, I would say, Silicon Valley company. The spirit was always very different from eBay. I would say a bit more scruffy, entrepreneurial, especially in Europe. Laurent, you were were you employee number four though? Am I getting that right? In uh, in Europe. Oh, um, just in Europe. Okay, got it. No, no, Europe. <laughs> Nothing. Otherwise, you know. I'm I was about to say, I'm like, like <laughs> I'm trying to go, oh, wait a second. I'm missing something in the story here. So you're talking specifically about the European Absolutely. team. Okay. The European team. Absolutely. Well, otherwise it would have been a different story, right? Otherwise you you'd be taking me out to steak dinners right now. Or it could be, you know, we'll we'll be talking about our next trip to Mars or something <laughs> like this. <right? laughs> that's what people do now, you know. Yep, that's when, great. When Earth is too small. It's like let's go to Mars. So um, let me let me ask you this then. You're with PayPal for 11 years, and I want to transition now into PayU. Um, there are a lot of companies listening right now that are like PayU, right? You, they they before they brought you on, what they raised four million dollars. Who's that? PayU. How much have they raised? No, Payu is part of a company, a big group called Naspers, um, a very diversified group, which is one of the biggest technology investors for high growth markets. One example, Naspers is the largest shareholder of Tencent, for instance, in China. Yeah, right? but didn't you guys so take around from in, in July of 2015 from Luno a Series A for $4 million and another one in 2016 from Zest Money for 6.5? Oh, right. So then we invest, of course. You know, we do two things. Um, we have our payments business, as I explained before, and we have also, you know, our fintech arm, which is truly investing in uh, interesting startups that we see in the different markets. Got so it. Absolutely right. You, know, you mentioned Luno, you mentioned Zest Money. These are startups that we see. Luno was in um, Singapore and South Africa, a, a Bitcoin exchange. Uh, Zest Money is a consumer credit, a very good team in India. And actually, for us, is the opportunity is to be not just an operator, but also an investor. And one of the things I believe is in FinTech, it's it's very difficult to scale your business. You do need to have transactional data, access to consumers or merchants. So what we can bring to these guys is of course, you know, um, cash, but also, you know, all these access. That's why we've decided, you know, to move from payments to financial services and from pure operator to, to investor. Yeah. And so I want to go back though to to this question. I want to go more down the kind of the investment route you guys are taking. But what did they do? What did PayU do or PayU's board do to get you to say, okay, I'll give up the safety and security of PayPal to join PayU? <laughs> well, I think at one point, you know, first I, I left PayPal just after the, the split and the IPO. The split, from, the split from eBay? Yeah, exactly. Yep. Yes. The, the the split that led to, to the IPO in July um, 2015. Um, so there you go, you know, with your stock options and RSUs, it's time to enjoy life. So what I did was basically, you know, spending around, yeah, six, seven months um, helping different startups, especially in digital banking. Um, one of them is called Moniz. It's based in the UK. I am an investor there, an advisor, and also an investor. You need to, to put your, your money where your mouth is. And these guys are basically uh, building a new bank for un, un, unbanked people. What was uh, it called again? 
Moniz, M-O-N-E-S-E. -E. I do some advertising for the guys. Norris is a great CEO. You should talk to him, really. Yeah, I'll have him on the show. Make an introduction, I'll have him on. Um, Estonia. That'd be great. I love diversity. That's wonderful. So so you invested for a few years. Again, walk me. What, how did pay, pay you find you? What did they offer you? It was uh, through NASPERS, you know, which is treated the group um look the story there was naspers is as i said you know one of the biggest um, investor and they've got participation in tv in uh, classic media in e-commerce like flipkart tencent and so on and then they had this payment company and the whole story was well look we've got this payments company you know in high growth markets is there something bigger that we could do with it so the whole discussion for me was like look um i think you are in the right market this is where the growth is coming from, okay, in the next five years. And these are markets that U.S. companies truly struggle to understand and really get access to. Um, but you need to do something much bigger, and that's financial services. So I joined really NASPERS and PayU on the basis of I'm going to manage that payment business but transform it into a financial services company. Got and it. That's what we're doing. And give us a sense of kind of scale and size. So, uh, uh, in, I, I don't, you can give any time scenario that you want, whether it's last year or last month or whatever, but how much in terms of payment volume are you guys processing? Yeah, so um, actually we finished this year, right, in 2016, uh, yeah, um, around 18 billion dollars of payments volumes. Okay, with okay. a B, right? Billion US dollars? Yes, absolutely. Uh, it's uh, all USD, 18 billion. Um, the growth rate was around 40%. Year over year? We are, year over year, yes. 40% okay. year over year. But what we are forecasting for, for next year is to maintain the same growth rate. However, we see a, a really big push in India where the growth rates we have right now are around the 70% mark. Um, India is really uh, uh, the, 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 the most exciting market I see right now around the world. Got it. So you think you'll do, call it 25, maybe 29, maybe 30 billion USD in 2017 in the payment business while you're also expanding the financial services side? Yeah, exactly. I mean, financial services here, um, for me, it's something we need to build over the next three years before it becomes really substantial um, to, to the business. And when I say substantial, I will expect, you know, around 10% of the revenues to come really from, from credit, basically. Um, on top of that, you know, we'll continue to wait, make Loren, sorry, I don't understand. What okay. do you mean when you say 10% of the revenues to come from credit? 10% of the total revenues will come purely just from the, the credit activity. That's what you, you get basically, you know, around 24 months, 36 months from inception. I don't understand what that means, though. What is credit activity? Um, consumer credit, you know. Um, how do you make money with that? You give... Uh, credit to people you uh, make your money basically um, on the interest rate oh got it okay okay and you cover your costs got it so i think for me what is important is when you start credit from scratch is actually to build your portfolio in a very consistent way it's, it's very good to grow super fast in the payment side in india when you build a credit business you better be sure also that you know you know how to manage the risks the risks and yeah that's a very different line of business yeah and what i didn't ask you this i don't think previously but on average what are you taking on on a dollar process through your system in terms of cut um for the payments it um it varies um basically you would look from 100 to 300 basis point okay so call it one to three percent 
Got it. Um, okay, good. So, so you're expanding into financial services. You processed about 18 billion last year. The way you make money is by taking between kind of one and three percent, depending on where you are and some other kind of uh, uh, inputs. What's the team size currently? At the moment, we'll be around 1,500 um, people um, in four main regions, um, Africa, uh-huh. um, Central Eastern Europe, which for me also include um, Russia and Turkey, okay. uh, India, and Latin America. Latin America for us is from Mexico down to, to Chile. So we've got basically 16 offices. Are you familiar with the Russian scheme that was, uh, well, that was founded out and really deconstructed about in 2014 called Laundromat? Uh, not really, no. Okay. I was going to, well, no, it's okay. I was going to ask you a question about it. Um, but, but that would be interesting for you. I'm in, what it was, was basically a a way they laundered almost 20 trillion or, uh, was it trillion or billion? It was a large amount of money, maybe $20 billion worth of money using fake, fake financial debt instruments. And they bribed judges in Moldova, I believe it was Moldova or one, another central European or, or Middle Eastern country. Um, and I'm just curious as more of this stuff moves online line how you prevent super sophisticated things like that from happening well i mean um you know that that's that's really the big topic of um, financial regulation and, and fintech in general it's all about you know anti-money laundering regulations and kyc um in any market, you know, you have local regulations you have to comply with. Okay, that's the big cost actually of fintech for any startup. Um, so I think on, on, on that one, really, the rules are pretty set and pretty established. Um, that's something you have to, to comply with. The problem here is more when some of the actors in the overall system don't really apply these rules, sometimes voluntarily, right? Um, for us, I think that's that's part of the difference, you know, um, payments companies that that you have established. Um, That's the number one concern is, are you truly compliant with these different rules, especially in markets where the regulation is is changing quite rapidly, I would say. Um, That's a big area of investment and a big area of focus for us. That's that's for sure. Now, and just to understand, you said you want to have 10% of your revenue really coming from this sector, kind of financial services. Currently, I'm going to do backwards math here. If you've got $18 billion in 2016 transaction volume and you take between one and 3% on the low end of that, that's, you know, 180 million bucks, call it up to say, five or six hundred million is that accurate and then you want about ten percent of that to be transitioning into financial services i think you're very good at doing math yes. okay <laughs> good i mean that's a big taking taking you know you know adding ten percent to an already large number i mean that's a that's a significant financial services business i'm eager to watch and see what you do and what kind of instruments you invent and especially when it comes to managing risk outside of the very structured ways uh-huh. traditional banks do it it's gonna be fun to watch you um, yes, I mean, um, look, we've just launched in, in India uh, a, cro- a product called LazyPay. Um, <laughs> I love um, the Indian uh, creativity, you know, when it comes to naming products. So <laughs> I <Lazy> love it. Pay, <laughs> I love it, LazyPay, you know. Um, and the concept is basically try to imagine you're in India, you've got your Android phone, okay, you want to buy tickets. Uh, I mean, that's the, that's the real use case. Um, connection is still a bit, you know, patchy. So basically what you want is really get out of the checkout process as fast as you can. Lazy pay is truly giving you uh, the, the possibility to pay now. Okay, just click and then you will pay later. You will settle your debt later. That's effectively, you know, a, a credit uh, product that we are giving. But the positioning is really like, hey, click now, you will pay later. That's why the name, you know, Lazy Pay. Um, so you see here, it's like effectively you're taking a risk 
on our side because hey we're we're, we're giving you you know a product a service um you're not paying us up front we will get the money in two weeks we we do that for you because we know you basically i know your phone i have your financial instrument financial instrument you know uh, on record etc etc but i still bear the risk um but for me i really believe in that type of product because it's just about you know removing frictions and the merchants they love it because when you you talk pay. to merchants about this, they see it as a marketing. Yes, for them, it's like, oh, it's not a payment. You know, we are not talking about basis point of cost. For them, it's, it's the marketing instrument to sell mm -hmm. more. Yep. That's, I think, you know, what is really interesting about this type of solution. It makes a lot of sense, Laurent. I feel like we could keep talking for hours about this space, but let's wrap up here with the famous five. You ready? All right, okay, let's go. Number one, what's your favorite business book? Uh, uh, the art things about our things. Um, that's, that's a good one. Bits. Yep. Number two, is there a CEO you're following or studying right now? Not really CEO. I'm really plugged into the, the fintech community. Uh, Chris Skinner, I think is a very good observer of what's happening to banking. Chris, Chris Skinner, I recommend. Chris Skinner. Okay, good. Um, number, f uh, number three, what's your favorite online tool like Acuity Scheduling? Oh, it must be top of the inbox. <laughs> yeah, you said you just installed it. I'm curious how you found Absolutely. it. I will, I will send you my, my feedback. But honestly, yes, it's uh, it's uh, it's super easy. Yes. How'd you find it out of curiosity? Uh, just checking, you know, your profile online, you know, when you join Twitter and then from link to link. Yeah, I came to that. It's called serendipity, right? So, it is. Well, I'm glad yeah. you're using it. The top Good stuff. Number three or number four. How many hours of sleep are you getting every night? Oh, six. Seven. Okay, that's not bad. And what's your situation? Married, single, you have kids? Yeah, uh, I've got uh, kids living in Miami. That's my second marriage. Okay. Gets better and better. <laughs> how many kids total? Two. All right. And how old are you, Lauren? Myself? Yeah. I am 45. Okay, so last question. Take us back 25 years. What do you wish your 20-year-old self knew? <laughs> uh, it's not about knowledge. It's just... Just go experience more. Don't think about linear, you know, uh, type of career. Just go out there in this brave new world. I should have experienced, experimented uh, much more. There you guys have it from Loren. Just experience more. It's not always about knowledge. Back in 1997, when he was 25, he threw his hat into the entrepreneurship game, launching Talent Manager, where he, where he raised 5 million euros, then uh, grew that in revenue into several million, then had to slowly wind it down and sell off the assets. He <laughs> used that money to go put himself through his MBA program, then ended up at McKinsey, did a project for a very small European team of three people uh, that happened to be called uh, that, something we all know now, PayPal. He then joined them for 11 years, oversaw a billion-dollar unit and a lot of geographical expansion. As he then exited PayPal, once the split with eBay and the public and the IPO happened, he was looking around, came across PayU and their parent company. He's now focused on PayU in 2016. Their payment processing business did about $18 billion, uh, United States dollars. It's growing 40% year over year. They made $180 million at a minimum off that, taking about 1% up to say 500 or 600 million if it's up at 3%. He's now focused on really taking this business and molding it into more of a financial services business where he understands credit, he has the data sets, and he can offer more money to more people in a quicker fashion, be it merchants or consumers. Loren, thank you for taking us to the top. Thank you, Nathan. It was a pleasure. 
If you enjoyed today's episode, and boy, was that good or what, guys, listen to yesterday's episode with Jonathan Epstein. He's the Sentient SVP with $100 million raised. Their A-B testing tool now uses artificial intelligence. Now, is it really using AI or is that just a marketing tactic? Well, you tune in to find out and you tell me. It would mean the world to me if you guys got any value from this episode, if you would go leave a review on iTunes right now and then subscribe. You know, I hustle like heck to get these episodes out every freaking day for you guys. And trust me, I love it. I would do it with no listeners, but boy, oh boy, it makes my day and it makes my team's day when we see great reviews and get your feedback. So thanks so much. Okay, Top Tribe, I love giving away free money. I feel like Oprah giving away cars, and I have something special for you today. How many of you have heard our super sharp guests talk about success they've had with Facebook and Google Ads? Well, all of you listening right now, yes, if you're listening, you get $100 in free AdWords. Here's how you get it, okay? Again, thanks for listening. Get the free $100 from Google, right, when you sign up with my website host provider, HostGator. Go sign up now to get your free money, hostgator.com forward slash Nathan. Again, that's hostgator.com forward slash Nathan. So guys, I'm so glad to be back in Austin. I just got back from a major tour of Southeast Asia, went to Sydney, Bangkok, Bali, and Japan. And you know, I always get sick when I travel. And this particular trip, my gosh, 15 different airports, 20 different hotels. I mean, imagine flushing in airport bathrooms. I was worried about germs and getting all the nutrition I need. I mean, finding a restaurant in Japan, difficult because nothing's in English. So it's hard enough to figure out the train system. But my point is, I had a guy named Drew Canoli on the show who said, Nathan, if you're concerned about that, take these little green packets with you. You just mix them once per day with water. They'll keep you super healthy. You get all your nutrients and they'll keep you from getting sick. So I took them and guys, they worked unbelievably well. I got no sickness, just mixed them with water once per day. They didn't make my water bottles all sticky. That's like nice. A lot of these mixers, they make them sticky. It was very clean and smooth. Took them once per day, never got sick. So they've got 11 superfoods and they're perfect if you're not traveling, but you're just on the go from your office to work. So you can check them out at nathanlatka.com forward slash juice. That's nathanlatka.com forward slash juice.